Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Osier continue their discussion on Article 27 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at an Old Testament passage and its application. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service in His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. Nailed it. Yes. Nailed it. (laughs) Amen. All right, now we can be done. Yeah, there's nothing more to say. Right. We've succeeded. Introduced ourselves. Yep, indeed. All right, well, we are in our Old Testament episode for Article 27 of the Augsburg Confession and its Apology, and uh, we're talking about vows and Nazarite vows today. Yeah, Nazarite yeah. vows. Nazarite vows. Your normal standard yeah, right. thing that That's right. totally comes up in normal everyday conversation. I just realized that the word Nazi is in the word Nazarite. <laughs> It's just kind of every look me right in the eye and just. I'm gonna say I, this right me. now, Osher. Lim, limit, limit, <laughs> Rowad. Every Rowed. every episode with you has become like a Rorschach ink block test. It's like I'm just gonna say what's off the top of my head, and you guys are gonna analyze me for how screwed up I am. Oh, we love you. Where does the word Nazarite yeah. come from, right. I don't know. Number six. Oh, I see. <laughs> that you're asking Comes like from what? number six, Brad. Yeah, number six. All right, let's read the scripture before we get totally. Don't say Nazi derailed. right because they weren't. <laughs> they were wrong. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> what? What on earth? Oh. Sorry, Brad. All this right, is one of our more entertaining openings. Yeah. All right, we're we're in Numbers chapter six. I'm going to read verses one through eight for us, and we'll launch into our discussion on on vows, monastic vows, and so on. All right, so number six says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman makes a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink, and shall not drink any juice of grapes or eat grapes fresh or dried. All the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, not even the seeds or the skins. All the days of his vow of separation no razor shall touch his head. Until the time is completed for which he separates himself to the Lord, he shall be holy. He shall let the locks of hair of his head grow long. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body, nor not even for his father or for his mother, for a brother or sister, if they die, shall he make himself unclean, because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy to the Lord. Uh, here ends the scripture reading for us today. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, so we have uh, the Nazarite vows here in number six. Uh, where do you guys want to take this discussion? Well, right away, uh, there's uh, the Hebrew word Nazarite means to be separated, mm-hmm. to be holy, which, I mean, we, you get that sense in verse eight, all the days of his separation, he will be holy to the Lord. And, and really, the word holy means separate. Yep. Right? Set apart. Set yep. apart, right? <clears throat> so this is the whole thing. 
what's interesting with the Nazarite vows, you have a vow, you have a dedication, you have an act of piety, and even in that, first you get the sense that it is temporary, that it's done for a purpose. Sure. When the days are, are done. When the days yeah. are done. And, and yep. so you would be doing this for a certain reason, uh, either in response to something uh, God had done for you, or I, I think it's entirely fair to treat this like a Lenten fast. Yeah, yeah, right? that, that's what came to my mind. Yeah, yep. it's, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like uh, No Shave November or, you know, <laughs> yes. something like that, that, you know, uh, we're not going to let a razor touch our face during Lent. It's you guys like, can't tell I'm yeah, doing it. This, yeah, you're this doing month. it totally. Yeah. 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 Hockey playoff beards, things like that, right? But the, the, the emphasis is personal piety done to focus something or respond to something God has done. And again, um, at, at its baseline level, you're, you're contemplating your mortality, you're comp- contemplating your struggle against sin. Uh, you, you move from that point in time. But again, even this gets corrupted so that if we take credit for actually making us holy, mm-hmm. then we've missed the mark already because it's, you're holy to the Lord because God makes you holy, right? Mm-hmm. Not on the basis of following through with yeah. this vow, right? There, there, there's no sense that not giving yourself a haircut and, and not drinking the Welch's grape juice or the Pinot Grigio, <laughs> either one of those. You can have grape nuts. Grape nuts. No grapes are harmed in the making of grapes. <laughs> yeah, that, the very specific details about grapes and vinegar and so on kind of grabbed my attention this time. Not even the seeds or the skins. skins. It says, I, yeah, right. I really hope that wasn't an actual dish back. Can you just imagine a, a dish made out of the skins of grapes? Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't that what like uh, they, they would take that out to make different kinds of wine, right? That's how they make white wine is they don't have the skins on them. I, I don't know. I'm or sure. I mean, maybe they're just talking about raisins. Maybe, (laughs) (laughs) but but anyway, this is in numbers. This is in the the law. This is in the the preparation for the liturgical life of the Israelites, right? And so this would be in a normal discussion. People are conversant with Samuel. At one point in time or another, was a was a Nazarite. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the punchline here is we're going to spend a fair amount of time very quickly talking about Samson. Yeah, I was going to say Samson. We'll and get there. Yep. there's even a play on words with Jesus' own life, with him being from Nazareth, and he would be a Nazarene. It's really a Nazarite that he fulfills that prophecy. And in fact, Jesus becomes a Nazarite before his crucifixion at the. Um, at the words of institution uh, and the instituting of communion. And he says, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until you see me in my Mm. kingdom, Mm -hmm. right? Mm. So all of this is at play in scripture. It's a normal part of life and it's not, uh, there's no prophets running around Israel at the time saying, if you guys feel that you're lacking in the holiness department, go become Nazarites and you're good to go. You Mm -hmm. know, there, there wasn't the schools of the Nazarites or the, the Nazarene communes. There was a purpose for it. Yeah. Gretchen yep, yep, Gretchen ahead. Ronovic, mm-hmm. who was on the show here, you know, when she wrote her book Ragged, she talks about the spiritual disciplines and, and her, her talk about fasting was very fascinating to me. And and the whole purpose behind fasting uh, was not to get God's attention, but really to get ours. Yep. Really, and and that's I think what the, the purpose of these vows were for. I think that's what what you know, Moses is saying through the Lord, or the Lord is saying through Moses to the people here, is I think it's speak to the people of Israel, whether a man or a woman takes a special vow to separate himself to the Lord. Uh, it's, it doesn't say for the Lord, 
right? And I realize that in English we can have there's some there's prepositions some, are fluid, are so fluid be in, in, in Old Testament. Yeah. But but at the same time, I think it's an accurate translation. If it said for the Lord, uh, it would be doing something on His behalf or for Him in order to be recognized. But to the Lord is is I think a good understanding, and it rightly describes in English at least the theology of what's being said here. And I think the to the Lord for the Lord distinction lets us make that pretty nice segue into talking about Samson's life, right? In Samson's life, as God appears, the angel of the Lord appears to Manoah and his wife to announce Samson's birth, which is just a really fascinating passage on his own. Samson's dad, Manoah, freaks out. He's like, God's going to kill us. And and Manoah's wife says, well, kind of, if he was going to kill us, he would have done it already, (laughs) you know? And and so they have Samson and, and they dedicate uh, Samson to the Lord as a Nazarite, and he's a superhuman figure in the book of Judges. He, he's nuts. You know, he does all these weird a- things. Action hero. Yeah, he's yeah. an action hero. He almost legitimately mm-hmm. is. He got the whole story of tying the fox's tails to the torches and burning down the Philistines. He's the Bo Jackson of the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> Samson knows uh, international espionage. Uh, but I mean, everything yeah. he does is superhuman. But even in the Samson accounts, his power comes from God. Yeah. That the, like when, in, in, in all the judges really, that Samson kills 600 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey or he carries the door of, was it Lachish, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how many other miles away or all of these things. The, the word that keeps coming up is the spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson. Mm-hmm. And, and we miss the mark because in the end, Delilah gives Samson a haircut and he loses his power. But the punishment is that Samson himself had become superstitious about his abilities, that he did not trust the word of the Lord. And so uh, he is blinded, and then you have the whole account of him collapsing the temple uh, while the Philistines are reveling over his humiliation. Uh, the, the purpose of bringing Samson, be, besides tracing the historical ebb and flow of his being a Nazarite, is we know that the vow didn't make him holy and chaste because as Samson served the Lord as a judge of Israel, he was incredibly immoral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had long hair, but he also had a lot of women. Yeah, hippies. I mean, <laughs> but, but I mean, the, the whole account of his, his wife mm-hmm. and being given to another man because he's just completely indifferent about everything, the whole account of his love affair with Delilah, uh, Samson had very little regard for personal piety. And when you stop and you think about Samson, I keep almost wanting to say Samsung. Like the, like the Korean, Korean yeah. electronics. Samson. Yes. Samsonite. Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> uh, the, the whole account of Samson in scripture points us to the history of monasticism as it existed during the time of the Reformation. In the name of piety, many of the monks, many of the nuns, many of the, the, the priests and the abbots and the cardinals had no concern for actual personal piety. They had a concern for man-made piety to puff up their pride and, and then to leverage that to exploit the people and to, to enrich themselves and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Brett? I, I was going to ask you a question. When you, um, I feel like when we were in seminary, didn't you do something about this passage? Hmm. I feel like I've heard you talking about the Maybe. Nazarites I, before. I don't remember. Uh, didn't you try to become a Nazarite and no one noticed except Maybe for saying it was you should just, get a haircut? 
Maybe it was just that you reminded me of Samson with your muscles. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that was it. I, I don't know where I was going with that. Ignore the last 30 seconds. Yeah. Uh, we will try and edit that out, but like it won't done work. done done. Yeah. So, no, I was, I was just curious because I thought, I, I remember one of our classmates, I thought. Did going, a, like a report? Yeah. It? Something like, you know, dug into this and there was some, some um, insight into that. Hmm. But it was, it was a, um, again, it, it goes back, as I understand, anyway, long story short, it goes to vocation again. Mm-hmm. The Nazarite vow was... There was a purpose for it, not for God, not between God and that person so much as that there was a person or people that that individual needed to love on behalf of God, right? That, that not on behalf, but but he they were they were the hands and feet of Christ. That's what vocation is, right? They were serving neighbor in some way, shape, or form. So this this vow, at least here with Samson, bad example, sure. But you have well, you said Samuel, right? Samuel is a uh, Nazarite at, at Jesus, least for a time. You, you have all this it has you know it has nothing to do with I, I need to get myself better. It has everything to do with my neighbor, and that was what was being lost in in the article we're yep, talking the about, right? Vows, That's yep. what's being lost in the uh, in the monastic vows. It's not about neighbor at all, really. It, it, the problem was it was becoming very inward focused. You know, bad examples like like a Samson. You know that there was some like you you use the word superstition, Jason. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely a problem. So sorry about that whole thing, no, Brad. Right. I didn't mean to put yeah. you on the spot no, there. No, no problem. Well, you end up at its worst, like in the thirteen, fourteen hundreds, especially. You have you have priests and monks mm-hmm. and cardinals and even a pope with multiple children running around. Right? That that it, everyone knows. No one takes this seriously. And in fact, even in Luther's own life, as an Augustinian monk, he did pilgrimage to Rome, got to Rome, and was absolutely disgusted by the complete lack of piety and the lack of seriousness with which the people highest up in the faith took their own faith. He was appalled by it. And this is what we're getting after: is is sooner or later. You have these people who are who have a law-oriented yeah. Christianity, yeah. and what ends up happening is the higher up the chain you go, the less serious they're taking their own preaching. Mm-hmm. And and you know I know last week we mentioned by name Joshua Harris and the deconstruction movement. You also have prone to these abuses are all the pastors with moral failures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And all the pastors like like. Um, I hate to name names here because of everything, but it turned out that you know the biggest culprit of this in the 70s and 80s was the Bill Gothard movement, mm-hmm. and and the things that have mm-hmm. come to public light in the last five, ten years about what's going behind the scenes in the Gothard movement, and yeah. everything in the Gothard movement was prescribed. You know the length of skirts that women had to wear, yeah. and and how to eat foods, and and everything about that was evangelical monasticism. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as you worked your way up the chain, the people weren't taking that seriously at all. Yeah. Now, interesting. You bring up Gothard, and truthfully, there's so much about that story, though, that even highlights the fact that the the legalism at the extreme. He talked about obeying the commands plural of Christ as being part of salvation. You know, Gothard really emphasized those kinds of things. And again, it just points back to, is this, this these are promises I'm making, actions I'm doing mm-hmm. in, in, 
he didn't talk about it for neighbor even. He talked about it no. vertical righteousness. It, it was in the context of vertical righteousness, pleasing God, so to speak, uh, instead of thinking of it in, in terms of loving neighbor. Right. And, and the thing that I keep thinking about in this passage is it, it does seem to be a temporary vow, you know, this voluntary... Yep. Uh, and the, the the word days is listed a handful of times here, mm-hmm. um, and and those that insist on making whatever form of evangelical modern modern day version of vows, they insist on it all of your days, mm-hmm. not just a temporary time. They they look for you to, it, they impose that on you uh, for your whole life, and so it, it sets up that. Uh, <laughs> Sets us up for failure, really, um, and frustration, and frustration, yeah. and yeah. loopholes. And yeah. I mean, what's interesting is the thoroughness of the no grapes here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost as if God is doing this and like, okay, you guys want an opportunity to focus on. I am going to wipe out any possible loophole you might have, <laughs> and and it shows the severity Except for of grape the nuts. law. Yeah, he grape left nuts. that one. Well, that's just poorly named uh, cereal. Yeah, it's grape nuts are 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 uh, a uh, a covert thing given by dentists for people to chip their teeth. (laughs) (laughs) It's the dentistry cabal. That's right. (laughs) But yeah, it's just like, okay, no wine. Well, what about grape juice? Okay, no grape juice. Well, maybe I can like lick a grape or something. No, it's just like (laughs) no, no skins, no anything. Right. And the, 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 the law gospel approach to this passage is that there's no loopholes in the law. You know, and this this yeah. is the sort of thing where we don't make the law, we don't lower the bar of the law, so we can jump over it. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's but it's the the question we're always asked as pastors, and, and the question that's frequently asked is, can I do this and still be a Christian? And that's the wrong question. Mm-hmm. Every single time, it's the wrong question. The point of Christianity isn't as, to get as close to the world as we can without crossing a line. The point of Christianity is to repent before God of everything you do and then to go out and love your neighbor. And everything else is Christian freedom. The thing about monasticism and the things about vows is the first thing it eliminates is Christian freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, we, uh, another thing that occurred to me is the whole uh, generic American Christian idea of motivation. Mm-hmm. And our, our cousins across the Protestant landscape, uh, there is this bad theology that if you don't have the proper motivation to do something, you just don't do it. And what it does, it is, it is this lie that everything we do is for God only. And mm-hmm. so you, again, monastically speaking, you've written your neighbor out of the equation. You've only put yourself before God so that all of your works are vertically oriented and, and you're paralyzed to love your neighbor because you might not have the wrong motivation. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if my neighbor breaks his leg mm-hmm. and I know I should mow his lawn, but I don't feel like mowing his lawn because the Vikings are on TV this afternoon and I'd rather just lounge around and watch the Vikings than, you know, do yard work for someone else's yard. The answer to that is I should go mow my neighbor's yard and then I should repent of my bad attitude. Mm -hmm. It's not, I need to wait until I'm pious enough to know that I'm truly for the right reasons loving my neighbor. No. You shouldn't be mowing your neighbor's lawn. If the Vikings are playing on afternoon, it's probably Sunday, and God wouldn't be very happy with that. <laughs> yeah, right? the that fits too, though, right? Let's say I mean, this is Thursday. <laughs> Thursday night. Thursday night, and yeah. I'm mowing, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's a good illustration. 
there, especially, you know, the motivation thing really does become an issue in Christianity. And you, you see that, you know, I got to do it for the right reasons and then mm. you're doing it for the wrong, right. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're doing it, it for the wrong reasons. Paralyzed in all yeah. that and analyzing. Well, yeah. That paralysis is it, but the exercise of Christian piety is found in our vocations. It's not found instead of our vocations, right? And, and, and so if I don't have to demonstrate to God that I'm super serious about my faith because God's the one who gives me my faith. What I need to do is all of the neighbors God has given me, I need to love them in the way God has given me to love them, which means I love my wife in the way a husband loves a wife, and I love my kids the way a father loves his children, and I love my siblings in the way a brother loves his sisters, Mm -hmm. and and on down the line. And as soon as we start thinking about this, what what we realize is Luther was right and the authors of the Confessions were right, we're never going to run out of things to do. Mm-hmm. There's always someone else mm-hmm. to love. There's always something else to do. There, there, there's no, you know, we've listed it all and we've got a good grasp on it. Now go out and do it. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think, and Brett, this is where I was going when I thought we were talking about you, you know, doing some. One, <laughs> is there a reason? There, this goes. This is going somewhere, I promise. Is there, <laughs> doesn't always with me, but sometimes. Um, why the grapes? Why the hair? What's the issue there? And, and the reason I ask that is because mm. the danger in, and I think sometimes with monastic vows, um, some of the things that monks required themselves to do, uh, they, they seem arbitrary, right? I, and I think of, for instance, a fast. If I'm going to fast, I'm going to fast for something that I, I want to do, right? From, from something that I want, fasting from a certain kind of food or beverage or something like that, that I, you know, like that, that I want, but I've refrained from for a time for the purpose of remembering my neighbor in prayer, for instance, right? As, as I'm thinking through those things, is there any indication in scripture, the, the, you know, the fruit of the vine or the, the, the grapes here and the hair, do you guys know of anything? Uh, I don't know that it spells it out. I mean, we only read the first eight verses of a chapter. The rest of the verses talk about when you're done with your vow, how do you get released from it? And it's go to the priest and all these things. If I was to speculate importing the rest of what the Bible tells us, uh, the, the, the grapes make sense to me because alcohol has a way of influencing our behavior. Mm-hmm. And so I would guess that the grapes and the alcohol are about being sober-minded, Sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way I would look at this, and again, this is me just shooting from the hip, is the, the grapes and the alcohol are internally focused to make sure I'm sober-minded. The, the hair is an external indicator that this is what I'm doing. And so it's mm-hmm. an accountability thing. Sure. Right? Interesting. You know, if, if someone's going to be a Nazarite, you're totally going to notice after a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, they're going to be a little bit shaggy. Uh, they're they're going to look a little bit like certain baseball players today look, uh. <laughs> but it's it's an accountability thing. Now, if you're a Nazarite, you know, and you're walking around acting like an idiot, people are going to notice. Like, hey, aren't you yeah. a Nazarite? You know, yeah. and and it's that sort of thing. Uh, the the Christian application would be like like you said, we are the hands and feet of Christ. We are ambassadors for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's second. Corinthians. And you go to Romans and Paul accuses the Jews, but the application is for Christians, the name of God is defamed because of you, mm-hmm. because of what you're doing. And so I, I think 
you know, pastorally, without doing really deep research, I would say the grapes are internally focused to keep yourself sober-minded during the vow, and the hair is externally focused for accountability. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. E- even if you're wrong, that was really impressive, yeah. Jason. <laughs> you know that what? makes sense yeah. to me now. Fake it till you make it, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And maybe we should end this episode with, uh, and I, I can't remember if it was you were, well, one of you guys said, you know, referring to Jesus of Nazareth and uh, going from the Nazarite uh, to uh, the Nazarene who uh, lived perfectly. He he did all of the law in our place, and he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it in every way. You know, and what what Jesus does is he intensifies the law so that we get to the heart and soul of what it is, and then he fulfills it perfectly, and then he stands in our place. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. The Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary invites you to their campus in Plymouth, Minnesota for the 2023 Seminary Symposium. January 11th through the 13th, speakers will consider the influence of the early church fathers and the implications for the church today. To find more information at flbc.edu slash events. God bless you and have a great week.